Hello, and welcome to Imperfect Parenting Podcast. Um, today is a special day. We told you last week that you wouldn't want to miss it. And it is very, very fun and special because we have we don't have guests on this show. I don't know if you realize this, Eric Knopf, but we don't oh, really have guests. All the guests you have, you just keep around. You invite Seth and he stays. And he you stayed. invite me and I'm still here. But you're one of the first <laughs> guests that we've ever had. So welcome, Eric Knopf, to the Imperfect Parenting Podcast. The listening crowd goes wild. They do, <laughs> hearing in the background. A smattering of claps in the background. Who's that guy? No, thank you. (laughs) It is great to be with you guys. Thank you for having me. Uh, So we've been having all sorts of conversation around critical thinking and um, Eric wrote a book and we'll get into that and just watching what Eric does with his family is amazing, but we'll talk about that later. So we won't, we won't uh, deter ourselves from spoiler alert. Yeah. That's what we're going to do. But Eric, what we always do in the beginning of our podcast is we like a good giggle. And I figure that, Parents really run on the the refreshing of laughter. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's yes. just really hard. If parents aren't laughing, yes. they're probably crying. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what's happening. Is that if we're not laughing, we're crying. We're swapping them. Yes. Something, something's happening. So we always have a meme that we share with our yes. audience because it's the best. And we already prepped you a little bit for yeah. this. So um, you actually helped us find these memes. These are like classic eric, memes eric has more memes than we have time to share today which is fantastic it's a good problem to have and eric's probably <laughs> one of the funniest people that i've seen around and different reasons like you have you when you showed up at the board meeting <laughs> it's still by far Uh-oh. my favorite introduction of a human being i could have ever met because <laughs> you i don't know what the exchange was but something with bells on that's all i know i'm gonna shut with bells yeah on. Yeah, it was, uh, I think Sherry said, uh, you know, gave me some details and I said, I'll be there with bells on, which is, you know, like the common statement. And then I was like, I, I think I chased the emails like, and I might be serious. And then I decided I'm, I'm a person who's an expert at wasting time. And <laughs> so I bought a whole bunch of bells from Amazon with Velcro and attached them all to myself and walked the bells on. I was like, well, it's being serious. It was yeah. awesome. Right. Yeah. And I just remember sitting there going, oh my gosh. That just happened. That's I thought it was awesome. It was. There it was, was 15 awesome. seconds there that I thought this yeah. is the dumbest thing I've ever done. And I've ruined all credibility for the rest of my life with these people. <laughs> no, no, you didn't. Because that was also the, the day the world shut down of 2020. Yeah. Oh my and gosh. you you proved yourself so dedicated to oh, yeah. our cause. And we thought, man, this guy is uh funny and incredibly loyal. So you you won. You won deep, deep points. For that one. <laughs> yeah. You can already tell Eric means many things to loving on purpose and, and people here. So we're grateful for him. Yeah. All right, Eric, do you yeah. want to share you should. your yes. what your memes that you've chosen? You could share both of them. We've got t- plenty of time. Okay. So I'll, I'll I'll share two of them. So there's a, a gentleman, his name is Simon Holland, and uh, he has a meme that says, My wife and I are going to be super bummed if we don't get a good grade on our daughter's science fair project. <laughs> <laughs> That's real. It just speaks to the, you know, involvement that parents have in all projects of their kids and how much like they are hoping to, to mm-hmm. win. And so as a, a parent who's gone way overboard on behalf of my kids, I <laughs> feel the weight of that meme. <laughs> and then uh, the other meme, and this is a, a visual one you have to see it. We'll, we'll post it, I guess, on the Instagram account, but, the meme is things my kid has to tell me when asked about their school day. And on one side, the picture is like the world's tiniest book. It's probably like, you know, two millimeters, uh, a little book. 
And then the other side of the meme, it says, the things my kid has to tell me at bedtime. And it's somebody with like the world's largest book <laughs> and uh, just speaks to, uh, you know, our kids, how they'll maybe do anything to stall bedtime and become dehydrated philosophers uh, when it's time to go to bed. So yeah, that's that we should quote that. We should write that down. <laughs> dehydrated. dehydrated philosophers. It's true. I'm thirsty. I want to tell you all the things I didn't tell you today. Yes, well, and then they, exactly. we ponder life's mysteries you know like right. why do sharks not have tongues or do they have tongues you're like i don't wow. i don't i don't know it's <laughs> do we need to answer that it's 9 30 <laughs> exactly <laughs> absolutely oh, i can incredible. still remember being a thirsty philosopher as a child myself it's just a thing it's built in it's anything thing. to delay bedtime anything mm-hmm. absolutely <laughs> it changes you become an adult you like anything to get there sooner yeah that's right well, Eric, you've been on the Kylo show. I know that because I've been there with you and always fun to have you on our show. Um, you're you're famous over there for what you've done in the work world mm-hmm. and your um, company and the culture in which you create. So uh, if you're curious about that interview and the Kylo show was during the uh, the workplace series, but um, but that's not why we have you here today. We have you here because you are an excellent father and an excellent husband and you have put that on display on so many ways. And then um, you wrote a book, but tell us a little bit about you, your family, what you, I mean, I wish that we had all the time for the stories. I think people should just get your book because there's lots of stories in there that I loved. If y'all are watching. Oh, he's got it. There it is. Here it is. Raising entrepreneurs. Raising Danny's entrepreneurs. Little, Danny's little comment at the very top says, this is rocket fuel for parents. Yeah, so, absolutely. That's the only reason you get Best it. compliment I've ever received right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nine practical principles for raising your kids to become entrepreneurs. So there we go. Go ahead, Eric. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been married 19 years to uh, Camille. And if you've met Camille, you'll know that I've married way beyond my pay grade and a level. Like if we're in the grocery checkout stand, the cashier will actually put the plastic divider between my stuff and hers. Like they will, they will assume that we're not together. So that's, that's how high I married up. Um, love of my life. Uh, we met in Santa Barbara 20 years ago in college. And I've got a, you know, upset story of how I, you know, basically wore her down. Uh, but mm-hmm. no, we, uh, we fell in love at the end of college. And um, she's a veterinarian by trade. So moved to Northern California, helped her start her first business. I was already in my first business. Uh, an entrepreneur just from, Uh, really my childhood and the whole premise on the book is that you can have these childhood experiences that that tilts you to become an entrepreneur when you look at all of the incredible stories of all the titans of industry elon musk steve jobs bill gates you know you name it like the the list goes on you will find that they were shifted towards entrepreneurship through these childhood experiences so that's the whole premise of the book and my uh, upbringing was exactly the same and you know, why am I so different than so many other people? I believe that what my parents did on accident, we can do on purpose if we want to raise kids to be entrepreneurial. It's not maybe everybody's ambition, but it's my passionate topic. So uh, I was into my entrepreneurial career right after we got married. Uh, we waited about nine years, had our first uh, child, Scarlett, who now is almost 12. Uh, wow. And so Maverick, who is nine, turning 10 later, uh, so we got two kids, wonderful kids, and uh, I just love life with them. I want to be the yeah. best dad, human possible. My vision is to be the best husband, father, and entrepreneur in the world. And uh, I like to break the rules in terms of just like the paradigms and things that we would maybe live down to. And so uh, I've, when I was dating Camille, because I had I had 
my odds stack against me. It's like, I'm going, if I don't win her, I'm at least going to ruin her for any other person who dates her. So um, I'm going to just go over the top. I'm going to do as much as I can. I'm going to be the most ambitious, most uh, fun and creative person. So that's really parlayed into what I do with work. And then also mm-hmm. with my kids, I'm just trying to take mm-hmm. this precious uh, era, this, this time I have with them and make yeah. the most of it and to, to go all out. So um, I embarrassed my wife to no end. We ran into a person on a flight. On the, I'm on vacation right now. And so I ran into a guy I haven't had many interactions with. Um, you know, we, we kind of loosely know each other, but I've had a conversation with this person for like maybe 10 years, maybe more. And so we run into him on the airplane. I didn't recognize him. And then we see him out after we deplane. And he starts telling my wife about all the things he's seen me do with my kids on my Insta stories. And, awesome. you know, just goes all in. So uh, apparently I've, I've got a reputation now of doing dumb or mildly life-threatening things with my own life and fun things with my kids that uh, makes people notice. So it's, it's a fun life and I love every second of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I know of you just from watching through Instagram is, you know, let's go sledding down the mountain in July or something like that, you know, um, or I mean, the, how, the, how fast can we go? How fast can you, what I remember in, uh, 2020 when everything shut down you built the squirrel houses with your kids and put cameras in them and like it started with a bird i don't know how it started yes, except yeah. for you actually had a wet a live webcam for people Correct. to watch the chipmunk house or, or something yes. how, how did that go chipmunks.live yeah so you know it was covid the world's ending we are depressed and i saw some meme of like a wife joking that her husband's venting his you know stress with covid by building a squirrel picnic bench and so my son like i just was giggling at it of course if your kids hear you giggle what is it what is it what is it and so i showed my son this you know picnic bench the squirrel you know eating some nut and so he then is like we've you know we've got to do this and so he got all excited and so i i've never done woodworking before so i bought some saws and had some like old siding from the side of the house and like we there's no blueprints for this. And so we drew it up and we came up with this master plan of like how to build a squirrel <laughs> picnic bench. And so we did that. And then my daughter, you know, really wanted to, uh, you know, well, I want to build something with you. And so she wanted to build a birdhouse. And so we built a big size birdhouse um, for that. And so we were trying to do it for like the squirrels though. But the problem is we live in Tahoe. These little squirrels would go up there and get the, the nuts, which was wildly fun. But then you have these bully birds. I don't know what breed of birds they are, but they come and like dive bomb the mm. the squirrels and the chipmunks. Mm. And my daughter was just, you know, the injustice of it all. Yeah. <laughs> I like feel she's her. like, she could not believe it. And so then it became a mission to create a safe, uh, <laughs> <Escape>. <laughs> safe location for these squirrels. And I was like, all right, if you could build anything. And I have this on my Insta story highlights. You can go watch the entire story. But, sure? uh, That's great. We, we then started drawing up blueprints. And I was like, anything you want, let's just go for it. And it became a two-story open floor plan, you know, gigantic <laughs> house. <laughs> that, and I'd like, yes, I like reinforce a tree to hang this thing like on there. And it was just the wild adventure so that the, and we built glass windows, plexiglass windows so that, you know, we could watch <laughs> the the chipmunks in there. But by that time I had so many people that were enthralled in this adventure. So then I live streamed, I, I had this camera and we put it inside there and live streamed for a whole half day of chipmunks going in there. And, you know, again, don't underestimate my ability to waste time. I mean, this really is what <laughs> I come back to is that I, I'm a professional 
adventure with wasting time. Uh, but great times. And the kids loved it and they still talk yeah. about yeah. it this day. I think one of the things I've I've heard you say many times in just conversations with you and reading in the book and and you just said it again is if you could do anything, what would you do? Mm-hmm. And you have this ability to help our kids. Like, I mean, when I read your book, I read it in less than 24 hours. I was going somewhere, but I was like, I love this. I love the, the heart behind the, your concept of the book is, it's just putting on display. The possibilities are endless if you're dedicated to making it happen. And Mm -hmm you know, what, and creatively thinking outside of the box and what, what's, what could happen. So you just saying that, you know, like if you could do anything, what would we do? Like, how did you come up with that mindset Mm -hmm. and then direct it towards your kids? Cause I I mean, I I think that way, but I don't know that everybody looks at their kids Halloween costume and says, you know, you could turn into a transformer (laughs) Um, right. That looks like a semi truck, but really it's a transformer because you think you did that too, or Bumblebee or something like that. Didn't you do that one as well? We've done a lot of things. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah probably exactly. think of them as like a gigantic F 15 fighter jet <laughs> I made out of fighter cardboard. Jet. That's what it was. And yeah, it was, it was over the top. And I've, I've learned paper mache as an adult. I never learned it as a kid, but I've, <laughs> I've made so many contraptions in paper mache. Um, I think where it comes from, and I would attribute this back to my parents. So mm-hmm. to give you, the listeners, some context. My father is a family doctor, like a family physician, someone who's pursued to the heights of a career in academia and science and, and has become a doctor, right? And, and like that is like growing up like the pinnacle of professional mm-hmm. career development, right? To be a doctor. And <clears throat> my mom is a singer, songwriter, musician, but you know, the prestige and the honor and the sophistication and the dedication and the accolades, the re- about becoming a doctor, you know, was not to be overstated. Um, mm-hmm. And so here's four-year-old Eric and five-year-old Eric. And so as a normal parent would ask, hey, what do you want to do when you grow up? And have you ever thought about it? You know, five-year-old Eric says, I want to be the person at the road construction stop who turns the sign from stop <laughs> to slow. <laughs> and, you know, there would be every justifi- justifiable right for a physician, a prestigious medical mm-hmm. professional who is accomplished and has provided for his family and is all the things that go along with being a doctor uh, to squash that dream, to, to tell me why it's dumb, to tell me why it doesn't require any skill, to tell me why it wouldn't be sufficient to provide for a family, all the reasons. And he and my mom were like, that's awesome. Uh, let's take you to road construction sites. They would find out where the different road construction, you know, activities were happening. And they would take me and they bought me that orange little vest and I would sit on the hillside with my own little vest and a, you know, construction helmet. Like I'm showing up there for like work, right? I like, I would bring like a <laughs> little lunch pail with like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And these workers are like, what is this kid? And I just would perch up and just would watch the road construction site. So what's inside so that cool. is yeah. our ability as parents to in the pursuit of being helpful or to justify or to rationalize or to help critical thinking is the danger to squash the dream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did, sh- should a parent at this level be really concerned that their five-year-old son is going to grow up and become the road construction worker? Probably not, you know, yeah. but that's what a lot of us do. And what we unintentionally do is we squash the dreams of our kids 
not realizing that we don't need to fight the practicalities of the dream. We need to preserve that winsome and that whimsical heart within them that's creative. What happened after that is I then took a liking to fighter jets and air shows and Top Gun. Yes, my son's name is Maverick. That goes directly <laughs> back to, you know, being eight years old and just being obsessed with fighter jets. And so my dad and mom would take me to air shows. I got like the jean jacket, just like Tom Cruise and Top Gun. Mm-hmm. And oh, that was so cool. I got the aviator glasses and, you know, would fantasize all in, in fighter jets and just be obsessed with that. I'd draw them all day. Uh, and then I wanted to become an artist, a cartoonist. Uh, then I wanted to become a fly fisherman, a dirt bike rider. At one point, I was so convinced I wanted to be go to the NBA uh, as well. Like my parents got me like the jump soles that would help you build your <laughs> vertical jump. You know, like they just would at every little turn. Like it was always like, sure, sure, go for it. Um, how that relates is I think what, when I talk about anything being possible, is I haven't had the crushing defeat of my my parents crushing my dreams mm-hmm. and I haven't had this critical voice that at every suggestion of a new idea doesn't have that critical crushing spirit that comes upon it. And so that carries through my life, my own kids. It's like, you know, I, we, if you can do anything, you know, it's like nothing's permanent and we bring such high stakes and permanency to yeah. the dynamics with our kids. And it's just totally mm-hmm. unnecessary. And so I would rather, feed into their creativity, even if it's, it's ridiculous, even if it's impossible, I don't care. Like it is more important to feed into that creativity and to fan that flame than to bring a critical spirit and to make them afraid of their own ideas. So that's really where it comes from. So for me, it's really eliminating that fear of failure. Um, I, I just think the greatest strength I have as an entrepreneur is that I just had never had that neural wiring that was you know, experience as a kid where you just have this, oh, I'm, I'm stupid. Like, it's a terrible idea. It's a terrible idea. I just have never had that. And so I'm also really good at bad ideas too <laughs> with, with that. So, um, but I'd rather have the good and the bad. I'd rather have a more creative disposition than to always be fearful because so many people are so afraid mm-hmm. uh, that things are not going to work out. And unless you're boarding a rocket ship, what's the worst thing that can happen is you just go back and do what you were doing before. You know, the stakes are often really, really low, but we pretend like they are so high. That's that's profound. So good. I I I sitting think about um I'm I I'm wondering if there's parents who who are even thinking about their own their own upbringing and and just thinking about, you know, their dreams being being squashed. Whether it's intentional or not, you know, they have their own upbringing that, that has created certain things in them. So how do they turn around and, and do something different for their own kids? I mean I mean right. I mean, I can probably create, create an answer right here, but just, just from your own experience and watching this and probably having conversations with parents, what would you tell them? Like, you know, chase that thing away so your kids get a different experience than, than you had. I think until we are confronted with that that happened to us and we're confronted that we have our own unfulfilled dreams, we won't be able to redeem the cycle with our own kids. We mm-hmm. will, by very nature, repeat the patterns we've been demonstrated mm-hmm. to repeat. Right. And so I think it's, it's culturally, if it's in your family, like our family does X, Y, and Z, and we get a good job, we're going to do whatever like that, you will repeat that pattern. And so I think people have to come to awareness of like, wow, I really wanted this. And I'll hear this all the time. When, when I share this story, people will say, well, 
man, I actually, my childhood dream was to be X and my parents shamed me for it. And I went on to do this and I hate my career. You know, mm. that's the revelation they have to have before they'll be motivated to lean in the mm. opposite direction. That's good. Yeah. And to, when they realize that you don't need to, as a 30 some odd year old adult, don't need to compete against your seven year old's dreams. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's not productive. Like you're <laughs> not going to help them at that stage in that way, but you're going to harm them. There's no way you can be helpful, but you absolutely can harm their dreams and you will make them fearful of their own ambitions. So uh, my son wants to be a robot inventor. You know, am I going to be like, oh, well, you know, you don't really like math. And so technically you <laughs> should not be able to like, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, like yeah. I'm going to fan the flames of being a robot inventor as long as he wants. And then kids figure it out. Mm-hmm. You need them to try things. The only way they will actually discover things is to try them. But we are so afraid of our kids trying things because we will attach permanency to it and we're afraid of where that might go. And so I think that we should, as parents, embrace changing directions. We've changed sports more times than I could ever tell you. <laughs> and sometimes parents are like, well, the one sport we're always going to do is going to be soccer. And, and there's such a permanence of direction where yeah. we should be as parents able to adjust, try it one year, try something else. You know, yeah. we tried break dance dancing lessons for Maverick because he's got great rhythm. He gets it from his mom. And, you know, hey, maybe you want to try this. Like, be a family that wants to try a lot of different things and have your kids try and test and explore. And they will find that way. But if you haven't experienced that pain for yourself, you won't know how to lean it into it for your own kids. And uh, it's it's super fun when you do. When you realize that, man, I because I opened this door for my child at seven years old does not mean I'm setting in stone the rest of their yeah. right. career and their lives. The stakes are not that high. Yeah. No, that's Eric, Eric didn't go on to become a, the man who stands at the at work workstation, <laughs> which you could have, and it could have been great. You'd be the best at it. But um, I, I it's you just know, running heavy equipment story. still looks attractive. Yeah. Like, operating heavy equipment fun. still looks fun. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I told my wife that the other day, other day, I was like, you know, if I were to do another thing for fun, like, man, destroying things with hydraulics would be really fun. <laughs> She's just waiting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think about parents that um, maybe are realizing on this podcast or they already are aware of their dreams were crushed as kids mm-hmm. and they don't, you know, maybe they're on a journey of healing, but in the process, mm-hmm. you know, I think we try really hard. I, I mean, I think there's different things from our past that I, I can point to. Yes, yes. And and I, I'm aware of when I'm leading my kids or, you know, we, we for sure, you know, Delaney who went through a feed store, Taco Bell <laughs> and Safeway and jobs, you know, mm-hmm. the biggest thing I think we kept telling her is I don't really care where you work. I care that you're really happy in what you're doing. So if it's a manager at, you know, Starbucks for your whole life. Great. As long as you have loved it, but if you're not happy, you got to keep going. So, but how do you help parents that feel like, Oh gosh, I'm, I've got so much baggage. I don't even know how to make space for my kids' dreams. Like where would you direct them? Because I think a lot of parents are looking, hearing like this and seeing, I'm totally fearful. Mm -hmm. I don't want to produce fear in my kids. I don't want to crush their dreams, but they have such Mm -hmm. a desire to see them be successful and not repeat cycles, like practically, what would you, where would you direct them? What would you tell them to do to change that cycle? And, you know, maybe their kids are 10, you know, and we've lost that five-year-old wonder 
but how could you encourage them to lean in? That's such a great question. I think, I think when kids look to us, we are the gatekeepers to so much else in their life. One thing that I'll do with my kids that I try to do is if we're going to do it, we're going to go, we're going to go for it. You know, I'll do the things called yes days where, you know, anything, anything you say goes, you know, we're just going to go. And really like, again, the critical thing is like, no, you know, I can't say yes to everything my child wants because it's going to be too expensive or whatever. And really I told my son's like, son, you know, we're going to dudes weekend, come up with a list of all the things you want. And I was like, play video games at, at breakfast, play video games in bed and have pizza. You know, it's like, it was like a $70 ask all day, you know, and just my time, you know, it wasn't like first class tickets to Paris. Right. You know? And so, uh, something I try as a father is I want, when they look at me is I want them to see me as an advocate for them mm. and to be for them and not against them. And I think in parents, we we're so commonly saying, no, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. Are we saying not yes enough? Yeah. Are we actually looked upon from our kids as someone that sees us as some someone who opens up things they wouldn't have otherwise? So probably step back before it becomes the career and become becomes the dreams and ask, are you safe with your kids where they look upon you at, as someone who makes things possible, as someone who can mm -hmm. say yes, who someone can make things happen? Um and I think some of the easy ways to do that would be plan surprise weekends. You know, my kids love water parks. Um, my wife does not like them, but I'm happy to carry that burden for the family. And I'll <laughs> surprise the kids with things like that. Or it'll be dad's, you know, time to take the kids out, let mommy take a, a break. And I'll drive them. We'll go to like an arcade. And then what else do you want to do? You want to go get slushies? Let's go get slushies. You want to do this? Let's go do that. And I'll just spend an afternoon and just, all right, I've got the keys, the car. What do you want? You know, and we'll go. And so trying to build in this rhythm of them where I can help make their ideas come to life. And usually it's in fun activities, bounce houses, things like that. And it's just spend an evening. So I'd probably first say the very first thing is having a relationship where your kids can trust you with even things they want, even things they feel guilty about wanting. Dad, I mm -hmm. want to eat pizza in bed and play video games with you. Right? <laughs> like that's like big no-no you know i want to stay up late you know so, yeah so yeah. i think the first layer is there is building a relationship where i'm not just the kingdom of no mm -hmm. i'm the kingdom of making things possible for you that you are afraid to ask maybe are embarrassed to ask want to indulge in mm -hmm. and then i think from there it parlays into careers of like hey what would you imagine your future like what are the things that you love um as your kids reveal what they love. Uh, you can then begin to lean in and to explore that. You know, our daughter loves horses. My wife's a horse vet. Horses were probably an inevitable outcome for my life. And so, you know, we would do horseback riding lessons, you know, and she expressed that she wanted to take a, a lesson to go jump. And to jump a horse just seems like ridiculously stupid to me because these creatures are so powerful and so dangerous and they can change their minds as they go over jumps. You know, I don't know. It's just, it's a whole thing for a risk taker. I look at horses and jumping horses as being the dumbest thing a human can do. I was going to say, for a guy who so, takes the wildest risks, horses are the 
Yeah, no. there it is. There's the line. There it is. I know. There's My dirt line. bike is never not one to go yeah. over jumps, so I just can't relate <laughs> to this. So, but she decided that she wanted to take a horse jumping lesson. There's a lot of ways to express interest in horses, but she wanted to like, wow, it'd be really cool to jump a horse. And so we tried a lesson and we tried a second lesson. And so now that created this flame in her that it like mm. burns bright for competing. And the little turkey now is like winning all these first place in these horse jumping competition so um but it's great because it started from i want to be around horses i want to pet horses i want to practice riding them to i want to jump them but it all goes back to the dynamic that we have with our kids and can they trust us with i want a slushy when i don't deserve it that will open up the doors to this is the dream of my heart i want to explore this do i believe my daughter's gonna pursue horse jumping as a career probably not but it doesn't matter i don't need to fight that battle today Uh, i don't need to fight that battle ever just gonna figure it out i i think there's two things that i I heard you say without using these words eric that i I think is just so helpful and and so good Uh, the first one is just just the nature of enjoying out just enjoying our kids and just enjoying the relationship so i think hiding in all the things you're describing and fanning, fanning the flame of their, their dreams, hiding in there really is, we just want to enjoy each other yeah. and just yeah. have fun together. Like those are the memories we we want to create, not mm-hmm. not a bunch of boundaries of no and sorry, we can't do that and um, life's too busy. So it's just that, first of all, is just beautiful and I think it's such a great reminder. I think the second thing is, you know, the horse jumping thing you just described, there's gonna be lots of places where parents get to a point with their kids and they go, no, this is the thing that scares me. So <laughs> right, totally. but let's keep going, you know, yep. so, so even just the practice you just, you just put on display there of you found the fear you have as a parent, but it didn't, it didn't change your practice. So, right. Thank you. Yeah. And the that. expense awesome. with horses too, you know, like that's the other thing is like horses is not like this you know, economical exploration, you know? And, <laughs> and so it's like, oh man, it's, it's, it's a Investment. Worst financial decision anyone could ever make is owning a horse. They're like money incinerators with hooves, you know, but uh, having, I will say, uh, the joy and the delight of hmm. my daughter. Yeah. And my yeah. wife, too. Like, she she got a horse after seeing the delight <laughs> in my daughter. You know, she got a horse this past year. It's like, I'm never going to financially recover from this. Um <laughs> seeing the sheer joy and delight of the people you love wow. like yeah. i can i can push off that other thing like okay we're going to push out retirement or whatever things like we will always have rational reasons not to spend money on things and i'm not suggesting people should go in debt for horses but uh what you should do is you should evaluate why am i holding back if i can do it what am i storing up this money mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. and i would rather work longer i'd rather you know, save money somewhere else to lean into the areas that create maximum joy for my family. And there are so many ways that we can rationalize not doing things because of money reasons, but we're not promised another day. We're not promised another year. not promised anything. So uh, no one should ever take financial advice from me ever. Uh, (laughs) Evidenced by I have two horses, but I would say (laughs) there are people who are putting their dreams off for another day that they're not promised to ever live to that day. And what are they surrendering now? And as a parent and as a husband, leaning into those experiences and just saying, yeah, let's, let's do it. Um, mm-hmm. Let's try it for a year. And so it, it's, 
enormously satisfying to see the joy that, that comes from those ex- experiences. Yeah. Wow. I love that. I, I think the other thing I've heard you say over and over again is, is the, the dedication to being present with our kids, mm. you know, um, whether you know, Maverick wants to be a robot inventor or, you know, Scarlett's going to be a professional horse jumper. You are invested and present in the moment right now. And I think that long-term um, investment for our kids also just shows how much we have value for the things that they find so interesting and and that we are show up as engaged, which yeah. is always what I'm chasing after yeah. with my book is, is being that engaged parent because I think that's really actually how the father is with us. And so all right. that we can do to mirror him and how we're parenting is is winning. So, well, the thing that I realize that's going to vanish very soon is daddy, will you play with us? Mm-hmm. Like how many more mm. days, weeks, months, years do I have of that? My two kids were walking down the village here we were uh, visiting and, you know, my son, who's nine, you know, is holding my arm with his heart, hand and, you know, my daughter's holding my hand. She's almost 12. I'm like, this does not have a lot of time left on it. (laughs) And so we're at the beach. And so daddy, will you play with us? I've got a million things to do, you know, and our phones are these enemies to our intimacy with our kids that all the world's distractions are waiting for us. And here are these two innocent souls. Daddy, will you play with us? And I hate running. I don't like to run unless I'm being chased by someone (laughs) with a knife, you know, right? Like that's my running policy in general. And so we're at the beach. And so, uh, they wanted me to chase them. And so I grabbed some seaweed and I just like, you know, chased after them and I just exhaust myself, but that's what they want. I also hate cold water. I like, I, Ben, you got me to do the first and only ever cold plunge in my life. I don't know. But only, I still but... resent you to this day uh, for that. I will never forgive you. So proud but, of you. Uh, yeah, there's a, you know, this pool also kind of near this community that's there and the pool is freezing, <laughs> freezing. Mm. And the kids are in there daddy will you play with this daddy will you play with this and i'm like are you cold water are you... no you know i just like i'll play with you in the hot tub come over there so my kids like bobbing on the the surface there and i was like oh man there, there's gonna be a day yeah where i will wish that i'd said yes that i took advantage of every request so i'm laying on like the little sun chair you know just don't want to get in the cold water and i have like this moment and my son's like turning back to me he doesn't see me and I take off my shirt and I run it and just cannonball into the water, freezing and get him all cold and everything like that. And just, it was awful. I, I hated the cold water still, but at least the moment of satisfying yeah. what my kids wanted um, to not mm-hmm. miss those opportunities because our mom can get them back. You know, they're, yeah. they're fleeting time. So, but yeah. to your point, Brittany, of being present, um, and the little requests they ask, mm-hmm. you know, they're asking just, can I have your attention? Yeah. Will you be involved? Yeah, Will you play so with good. me? Is uh so powerful and so precious in these times. Yeah. Well, I will say, I mean, we've got an 18-year-old now and she doesn't ask, "Will you play with me?" But I think that when you steward your relationship well with your kids and you practice, I want to be engaged and I care deeply and I'm invested mm-hmm. and I'm interested. When you steward that and you put loudly on display, I enjoy being with you. Mm-hmm. What I'm we're watching is this 18 year old has 
now lives in a different city and we only have FaceTime or when we go see her, the longing for us and the value for us still remains. So to encourage you in that, yes, the daddy we play with us, it changes. It doesn't sound the same, but I can say, you know, as a, having a good relationship with my dad, I still, you know, in some version or another, I'm saying, you know, daddy, will you still be interested in me? That question is, I think, always there in a healthy relationship. So as you keep stewarding that, I think the fruit is that you get it forever as long as you steward it well. So it's just going to change. I think daddy, will you play with me? It's just going to change. But my guess is the the investment that you're making your kids is it just will change. But that same richness and desire to be connected will will live on for mm-hmm. adulthood. Yeah. So it's beautiful. Yeah. Eric, so encouraging. This is, this is the best first guest we ever yeah. had. <laughs> this is it. It's where you want to go. It's the book. Eric yeah. Knopf. And we'll tag you and all the things and sure. we'll, we'll make sure your yeah. book is on display, but I mean, this, this, this really helps uh, flesh out what Eric's talking about. Yeah. It's super Such practical a and, and a fun read. It's full of stories. I love stories and, and how you learn from stories. So you want to check that out. And it's short. <laughs> and it's short. <laughs> and it's I don't totally... like to read long books. I selfishly wrote this like, what is the amount that I would read myself? <laughs> Perfect. I hate, I hate books that, you know, could have been 50 pages and they find a way to make it like 400 pages. Like, oh yeah. No, those are never taking it too far. So yeah, it's very short practical and uh, lots of stories, but thank you guys for having me on and getting to share stories. I love talking to you guys, love sharing about life and family and kids and you guys are amazing and really appreciate it. Well, we love having you on the podcast and uh, for our listeners out there, I'm so glad that you got to meet another friend of ours who is doing a great job being a dad. And so you would be wise to pick up his book. So check it out. We'll see you next time on Imperfect Parenting. Thanks, Eric.